And good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baggers, joined this morning by Don Showalter, part of USA Basketball's coaching uh, team. Don, without you know telling your history, I'm going to turn it over to you and ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your background and, and how you got into USA Basketball and what you're doing now. Yeah, that's uh, first of all, Tim, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate the fact that I can be on and share some things uh, with, with the coaches that are listening. Yeah, I first, uh, well, I, I played college basketball, high school basketball. It's one of those things where many of us love the game of basketball and we knew we were going to stay in it some way. And uh, I found out I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. So uh, I thought, well, I'll go into coaching. But coaching is really my dream from early on. Um, graduated from an NAIA school, Orberg College in Waverly, Iowa. At that time, it was NAIA. And uh, got got a head job right out of college at a really small high school um, that had that was 0-36. So, wow. yeah. So, uh, being, a, a, being a, a kid right out of college, you know, we all think we can turn the world around in a matter of, of days. And same with the coaching world. Uh, I thought, well, I'm going to go in and win, win right away. Well, Obviously, that's not the case because it takes a lot more than more than that. So, so uh, as a young coach, I really had to work hard those first two years to get get that program turned around a little bit. And that's something I think that young coaches certainly need to be aware of: is that it, it takes time to to go in and coach and and do a great job and, and establish your program. Uh, after two years, I got a chance to move to a little bigger school that had a that was a very uh, basketball had a great basketball tradition, and so I was very fortunate to get that job. Um, and I went uh, went there and uh, was there for eight years. Uh, had some really good success. Went back to my alma mater, which I said I would never do, uh, but uh, it turned out really well for everybody. Uh, I played basketball at Mid Prairie, and and had been gone long enough, and. And uh, they wanted me wanted to know if I was interested in coming back. So um, after ten years being gone, I said, "Well, I'll go back for three or four years and move on to someplace else." And after twenty eight years there, uh, that was uh, that pretty much took my uh, took all took took my really my career uh, to to kind of toward the end. And then I ended up at uh, Iowa City High, which is a very very big school, large school, very diverse school. And on my coaching there, which I truly love. So, uh, four different schools, 42 years of high school coaching. And during that time, I did a lot of things like work basketball camps in the summer, went to clinics where you network with a lot of people. And that's how I got a chance to, to also do some stuff with USA Basketball, uh, where Coach John Wooden's camps in California, ex UCLA coach. And, um, you know, I was just, uh, I just wrote a handwritten note, said I wanted to be a counselor or coach right out of college. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, why, uh, down the road, why, uh, I got hired on there and worked, worked Coach Woods Cash for about 20, 20, over 20 years out mm-hmm. there. So, you know, people wonder how you get do how you get to do different things. I think, uh, you know, if you're not working, working some camps in the summer and going to some clinics, you're, you're really missing the uh, chance to, to connect with people. And that's exactly how I got, got the opportunity to work with USA basketball. So, so really a, a kind of a combination of, of networking and learning at the same time. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously 
you you go and people watch you work and if they like what you do you get other chances and, and so that's my other piece of information i always give to coaches is you know no matter where you're at you better do a good job of where you're at if you want to if you want to move on to other things and if you're a fifth grade coach uh, you know you better do a great job with those fifth graders uh jv coach whatever it is that's that's the most important job you have at that time and in order to to have a chance to to get in, get other jobs why uh that's really important Okay, so I want to, before I go into what you do with USA Basketball, I, I want to go back to your first job where you said you took over a program that didn't win a game the season before. 0-32, I think you said, right? Yeah, like two seasons, two and a half seasons. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of coaches maybe coming in want to go into a winning program, want to go into, uh, you know, a successful legacy in, in a team. But it doesn't normally happen that way. It's usually the teams that are unsuccessful that are, are looking to hire. What are some some experiences that you had uh, and advice that you've learned along the way to, to help turn around a program like that? Because, I mean, let's face it, the, the players haven't won a game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they, they don't have that belief. They don't have that confidence that they can do it. How do you turn that around? What did you do to transform that team to make it better? Yeah, well, I think anytime you take a job like that, uh, you, you better you 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 better have a, a trust with your administration. It's going to take two or three or four years to really turn a program around because that's that's what's going. To, you can't do it overnight. It's very hard to do that overnight. Uh, but but I think a couple things really. Um, first of all, it was a great situation because the people there uh, were great. They they just wanted a coach who really cared about their kids. And I think that's that's the num- number one thing that I I went into that uh, went into that job not really knowing. I mean, I was right out of college, so I really didn't know much. I played for a Hall of Fame coach in college and in high school, actually. But uh, you know, now I'm on my own, and so what what I was going to do, you, you really kind of feel your way along day by day. But I think I think just caring about the kids really. I look back on those two years and that was the thing that really spurred, I think, making that program where we actually won some games that first year and, and we're better the second year because uh, the people there, the parents there, uh, they, they really, you know, they were all in 36 or whatever it was. So they really didn't have an idea what, a, what a winning program was like, but they certainly knew if the coach cared about their player, their son. And I think, as I look back on that, those are some of the things that, that I look, uh, look at. And my, my wife was a big part of that. I mean, we had kids over to the house. We, we did things as a team and we just showed that we really cared about the kids. And, and I think that was probably the number one thing. And then the trust factor, I always go back, you know, if kids trust you as a coach, uh, they're going to really do some things that you don't expect out of them for the positive. Uh, trust is a big thing between players and coaches. And, uh, you know, players and players. And I always tell coaches now, I said, uh, you know, be sure whatever you promise, you better come through on. Whether whether it be a pair of socks or winning a free throw contest in, in practice uh, or, you know, you promise the kid he's going to start if he, if, he, if he makes so many baskets in practice. Whatever you promise, you better come through with because that, that starts to develop trust. And so I think the longer I coached, 
I found out really I made less promises and delivered more. And uh, that, that kind of set the tone. So I think caring and, and trust those first two years were at the top of the list. When, when you look at coaching, you've been, you've been doing it for decades. And, and one of the conversations I had with a coach yesterday was uh, a, a discussion about how athletes have changed over time and how coaching has to change because of that. Yep. Uh, have you noticed that? Did you have to adapt the way you coach based on the, the different generations that you've coached? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I adjusted what I coached, but I think uh, I adjusted, I adjusted to what was the surroundings of the, the kids. I mean, you know, with the social media and, and everything else going on, I think you, I think as a coach, you, you really have to adjust. Maybe you're thinking a little bit about uh, how you're going to motivate players. I think that changes changed a little bit. I mean, it used to be because I said it. That's why you why you do it. Uh, but now it's not because I said it. It's it's hey, this is going to help make you a better player, a better person. So I think the motivation has changed a little bit. I'm not so, I, I'm not so sure. I think the players are much, much better than, than they used to be. I, mean, I go yeah. back 20 years, 30 years. I think players are so much more skilled and really have a tremendous basis for uh, basketball ability. I, so I think that's changed as well. And I, and I think players deep down you, can be challenged from the fact that, um, you know, they really want to get better. Players really want to get better. And so – I think as a coach, uh, challenging them to get better, uh, giving them some really instructions and teaching them how to get better, I think is what, what they kind of delve into. So it's kind of a long answer to your question, but I, I, I'm not so sure the kids have changed as much as just the, what surrounds the kids have changed a lot. Mm. Now, you, you talked about you know doing all these camps and you've been a high school basketball coach, were a high school basketball coach for many years. Now you're involved in USA basketball. You've been involved for, for quite some time. You've been very successful on the international stage coaching um, junior divisions, I guess is the, the, the way I would describe it. How do, you, how do you do that? How is it different to coaching a, a high school basketball team? Well, you know, it's, I get asked that question a lot because, uh, first of all, for, for a coach who – who came out of coaching uh, some high schools uh, in Iowa to coaching on a big stage with the U16, U17 players in USA basketball uh, was really an honor for me. And, you know, I coached guys like Jason Tatum and Colin Sexton and uh, Brad Beal and uh, Quinn Cook. And, you know, the guys are in the NBA right now, Jabari Parker, Joel, they're all, they've all been through our program. So, uh, that was, you know, obviously a great honor for me to be included in that, in that, uh, in that group uh, of co to coach them. And I would say, I would say that uh, what has helped me the most is just be the person you are. And I, and I really tell new coaches this all the time. Tr don't be somebody you aren't. I mean, you can't be a coach the way somebody else coaches. Uh, you, you have to be who you are. And I, I think you try to really 
build some standards with the players, the standards of, you know, trust and caring and, and uh, respect. Uh, I think that goes a long way in developing the players that uh, you have that are, that are exceptional players at the international level. I mean, we, you know, again, we've had players that play for us, make that make our team the top 12, uh, have really a goal of playing in the NBA. Mm. So whatever we can do to help them do that, I think is, is really important. And we bring in about 40 kids for a training camp and pair that down to, to 12 that travel with us. So I, I imagine pairing down 40 super talented kids down to 12 is, is a pretty awful experience in many ways. It really is. And, you know, we certainly tell players that we aren't, this isn't an all-star contest where it's not like the McDonald's all-star game. It, we have to make a team. Mm. So our 12th player, we need to have our 12th player buy into what we're doing. And some of, some of the guys that we've had that were, were our 12th guys, like Justin Anderson, who, who just played the other night, uh, who played the other night uh, for the, for the nets, you know, scored 12 points and had six rebounds and, and, you know, he was our 12th guy, but they have to be able to accept their role. And, and that's huge with anything uh, for players to accept the role that they're, they're put into. So uh, we have to make the best team. We can't have 12 all-stars and expect to have a good, a good chemistry or a good culture with that as with, with those. Uh, so that's, that's a hard job for us. I mean, that's the biggest job we have with those kids is to develop our chemistry and develop our, culture with that so how, how do you do that I, I mean this this is a problem for for any coach right who right. whether it's high school or, or college or, or anybody I've got these players some of them won't be playing some of them can't be on my team because they, they don't have the talent or the work ethic or yeah. how do you do that do you work with other coaches do you make a group decision what, what's the process well I mean obviously you know this is skill takes precedent. So you have to have skilled sure. players, but, uh, but there's so many of them that are skilled. Um, you know, we look at, you know, we, we look at basically communication is, uh, is uh, the utmost as I go back. If I would say one thing to coaches who are just getting into coaching, the, the one thing that I would go back and do better job of is communication as a young coach. And I, I you don't really realize how important that is, but you know, you communicate with players, you communicate with parents, you communicate with your other coaches, your administration. And uh, uh, I think that's one thing I would do a better job of in my first two, three, four years. It's just better communication. And so coaches going out for the first time being coaches, you can't over communicate enough. And now in today's age with texts and emails, it's easy to do that with, with parents uh, as well as, keep in touch with uh, with your players outside of the practice schedule. So I, I think communication is really uh, the top priority. And then secondly, you, have, you really need to figure out how you're going to build trust with the players. And that trust, because once they trust you, uh, players will really be motivated to perform, I think, for, for not only for the coach, but just for themselves and for their teammates. And that, that trust can come in, in a lot of different ways. If you come from maybe just on the court where uh, as a coach during a practice, I may just, um, I may call out uh, a, 
a, a player during practice and tell him what a great job he did getting a rebound. I might say, Billy, that was a great rebound. So all of a sudden now they develop their roles. His role thinks, you know what, if I keep getting rebounds, I may be able to make this team or or uh, get some more playing time. And then I'm, I'm very big on, on using players' names in practice. Mm. Uh, just saying, hey, that was a great rebound. I say, Joe, that was a great rebound that you just had. I think that's – to me that's important to build trust. Now they, they have that feeling that you really do care about them because – uh, you call out, call them out by their first name. So again, there's just some little things that, as a young coach, I wish I would have done more of. Uh, but but those are some of the things to build trust. Again, I think also when players actually understand that you're there to make them better, they they just feed off that. Uh, I go back to to guys like Jason Tatum, who who's an all star now with the Boston Celtics. Uh, you know he he. If you told him something, he would really – he would just take that to heart because he knew that deep down we were wondering what was best for him and making him a better player. So uh, I think those things all kind of go into working with each other, uh, motivation as well uh, in, in that uh, in that aspect of it. But, um, uh, you know, trust, communication is huge uh, with whatever we do, I think, in any occupation. Hmm. Now – you, you start off your career in a, a losing season, right, with, with a team that hasn't been successful. And, and now you find yourself in an environment where you have all these amazing players who you have to put together and win a gold medal. And it's, it's not a case of, you know, parents who are like, wow, we won a game. It's <laughs> USA Basketball saying, coach, we expect golds. Yeah. How, how do you handle that that pressure, knowing that the expectation is there to to, to bring home you should be winning? This yeah. is USA basketball. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the FIBA, which is the governing body of international basketball, started the U16, the junior national team program in 2009. And none of us in USA basketball really knew much about the junior national team, how we were going to do it or so I think we all kind of got started together on it. And we, that first team had uh, all Brad Beal, Andre Drummond, Quinn Cook, Michael Gilchrist, who are all really high-level NBA players. And I think we were just fortunate to, to get the right players to be on our, to be on our team. And, and then I think as you – the more – obviously the more you win, and if you're in coaching long enough, the more you win, the more pressure there is. Uh, and I also go the other way. The more you lose, the more pressure there is. <laughs> so I think it works both ways. But the, the pressure is really from, uh, I think, more internal than it is external. So, I mean, I felt as I kept coaching, you know, the junior national team for seven, eight, nine, ten years, uh, each year was a, a little more pressure build up because of the pressure I put on myself. I didn't want to let the kids down. I didn't want to let our organization down. Uh, those kind of things all enter into uh, the fact that you – you and I, I probably worked harder the last three or four years uh, with basketball than I have ever had in my life just because I wanted to make sure that we were totally prepared uh, for international competition and, and brought home uh, a gold medal, which, like you said, uh, everybody expected. That was the expectation that goes into it. So pressure comes from, I think – uh, first of all, I think it comes from within, but, but young coaches, uh, 
I, I think you, you just need to go day by day. I mean, you can't look down the road too far and say, you know, I, I want to do this and I need, we need to get this done here in the next, in the next two weeks. I think you just go day by day and say, here's, here's what we're going to do today. And we're going to make sure we do it well. Uh, we're going to make sure that we take each day uh, from the standpoint of, of putting some really effort into that day uh, and improving our players and our, our uh, coaches. You're watching Don Showalter, part of USA Basketball's coaching team. If you have a question for him, put it in your chat box. We do have one for you, Coach. It's from Coach Vega. It says, when you have many elite athletes, what are some of the things you do to build team chemistry? Yeah, well, I think there's a definite difference. Uh, <clears throat> to answer that question, uh, chemistry and culture, to me, are two different things. Okay. Chemistry is how individuals within a team uh, work with each other, get along with each other. Culture is how that team uh, is organized, how that team, what that team does. So the chemistry, I think, is, is a little bit uh, different uh, to, to build a team chemistry because, you know, some players, uh, get along with, with naturally with other players easier than, uh, than whatever, than, than, than maybe you'd think they would. Uh, but I think that the, the chemistry aspect is comes from a coach who is a, who is a great leader, uh, in the aspect of, uh, what they do on and off the court. So, if I'm going, if we're going to have great chemistry with our team, uh, first of all, you really don't show favoritism. You, you have, you all, everybody's got a best player, but that best player needs to be understand that uh, you have the same expectations for him on and off the court as you do for player number fifteen. I think also recognizing players that don't play for you much on the court is huge in building chemistry. So I might take my eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh man, and really build him up in practice, uh, and say, you know, Johnny, you had a great practice today. Even though you're maybe not playing much for us, you are a definite help to our team getting better. And so they hear that conversation, uh, and it goes back to communication. That builds a great chemistry, I think, between players and players and players and coaches. Uh, and then I'll go one step further. You can do this with their parents as well. I mean, we're you know, coaches that haven't coached you are going to find out that parents want to be a, a very integral part of your program, and you can't shut them out with that. You I mean you have to let them be a part of that program. So, the chemistry you build with the team, uh, I think, go, goes directly with with the parents as well. And I'll I'll email a, a parent after a practice, maybe from a, from a player who doesn't play much for me, and just say, uh, your son. Johnny had a great practice today. Uh, he, he may not play much for us, but he certainly made our team better today. Mm -hmm. And so now they get the idea of what you're, where you're coming from as a coach, but also that chemistry then is built because that player knows that you have a lot of respect for what he's doing, even though he's not playing much on game day. So I think that goes into a lot of uh, building chemistry with your players. And then the culture part of it is, is I define culture as just how you do things. Here's how we do things. You know, uh, you you're expected to have uh, you're expected to have your shoes tied when you step on the court, and five minutes before practice. That's a that's a culture thing, I think. Uh, so 
th- those things all enter into uh, developing a, a team and probably more so than actually the X's and O's what you do on the court. Uh, they have more effect. So that was a great question too, by the way. Now you've, you've coached high school, different programs. You've coached USA basketball. You've done camps. You've worked with some amazing people. You've, you've coached some amazing athletes. Great life. Everybody should do it. It's, it's just, you know, this is, this is the dream, right? Uh, but I suspect that that it's not all, you know, wonderful and there's definitely some challenges in coaching and some, some bad experiences and some tough situations. And I wonder if you could maybe share one or two just to, to show the realities of, of being a coach. Well, as with any job, you know, you have certain aspects of that job that really, uh, can, can take on a whole new life of itself, uh, by what happens on uh, maybe during a season. Uh, you know, I, I think some of the things that really have, I look back on um, as a young coach, probably things that have, uh, have hurt uh, what I've been trying to do is again, just lack of communication. I think it goes back to, uh, you know, if you, Player says, well, if you told me that, I would have been, you know, I, I could have had a better experience or whatever. Uh, so I think it, it really goes back to a lot of communication. Uh, and, and, you know, parents are going to be a part of what you do in your program. And I think you really, you can't shut parents out uh, because uh, their son or daughter is part of your program. Uh, I always say that, that when you talk to a parent about their son or daughter, you're really talking about two different people. Uh, As a coach, I'm talking to that parent about somebody who's a part of the team of 15 that I'm trying to mold and being the best they can become. To that parent, I'm talking to them about this is the most important player on your team. That's my son or my daughter uh, that I love very much. So you have to understand that there's really a disconnect there between uh, when you talk to parents about that son or daughter. I think that helped me more than anything when I was uh, finally figured that out, that you're not really talking about the same, same person. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, as a young coach, I think admi- administrators, uh, you know, certain administrators are going to be very much uh, a positive influence for you and help you out. There's going to be other administrators who, uh, you know, who listen to parents way too much. And, and uh, you know, if you lose a game here or there, they're going to have too much influence on, on, on your, uh, on your path to, to coaching. So as a young coach, you know, uh, which I didn't even think of, uh, you know, the administration part to it, the administrators, I think just the open openness. I keep going back to communication because I think that's really where it starts, uh, with that. And, and uh, I, I really been pretty fortunate over the years. Um, I mean, I've had some issues with parents, but uh, they've all been issues where I think that as I got got to be a more experienced coach, I could certainly deal with those better with by communicating uh, how we were working with things and and you know our standards are pretty high and so for our team so we have pretty high standards as as far as um, what the players expect and again if the players are happy most of the time the parents are going to be relatively happy whether they're number 12 or 13th player, if those 
those those players feel they're a part of your program, uh, their their parents are going to buy into that. And so, uh, I think that's another thing that really helped me as a, as a coach. So, kind of a long answer to your question, but uh, oh, it's good. And I think you have to be prepared uh, as a coach. I think you have to be really prepared for uh, when things are kind of taking a nosedive. If you lose three or four games in a row, you know what are what are going to be the the repercussions from from that you're playing the wrong players you're you know so i think as a coach you really have to be strong in what you feel is the best thing for your team and don't be shifting just because you lose a game or two you know you go back to what what your standards are and uh you know i think too many young coaches in my estimation they put way too much emphasis on winning and losing uh, because it, it and that's why they get out of it. You know, if you have a bad year where you might lose 15, 16 games, why, uh, if, you, if your only goal is to win, then you're going to get out of coaching, which is unfortunate. So I think winning is really an objective. It's not a goal. That should never really be a goal. It should be an objective of what you're doing. But your process on a day-to-day basis is really your goal. Hey, can we get better today? How can I make an impact on my players uh, today, how can I develop, show them I care today? How can I show them that they, I can trust them today? And I think that carries over. And you you have to let winning and losing take care of itself. Uh, if you don't, you you're going to go crazy as a coach because <laughs> that's that's really you know uh, the, the winning part to it is is great. But uh, again, if that's the only reason you're in coaching, you're going to be in coaching for the wrong reason. And you probably won't last too long either. No. Now, given the fact you've been in situations which you described where maybe you go on a losing streak or you get pressure from parents or sure. administration, whatever it may be, uh, I suspect throughout your coaching career, you've experienced some, some stress and, yeah. and some of those moments. How do, you, how do you cope with that? Because coaches at any level, even in, gosh, even in recreational leagues, can experience stress, pressure from parents or players for playing time, you name it, it's there. How did you, or how do you kind of handle that? What do you do to kind of mitigate those stressors? Yeah, I think, uh, again, the longer I coached, I think I did a much better job of, of eliminating the stressful part. But, but first of all, my wife had a lot to do with, with uh, uh, my coaching, uh, she certainly was there for me after after big wins and tough losses. And so I think you need to have, uh, not that my wife is a mentor, but I think coaches need to have a mentor. Uh, could be somebody uh, older than them. I mean, I had, uh, as a young coach, I had several mentors that I picked up the phone and just talked to because they've been through it. Mm-hmm. So after you go through a, a losing four or five stretch, uh, you really need to have a mentor that you can you can call and say, hey, here here's what's happening. You know, help me through this. And so that was that's really been a stress reliever, I think, for me over the years. Even you know, even with USA basketball, when I didn't think things were going quite the way I wanted them to, with our training camps or 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 even in competition, you know, there's some mentors that I could call and say, you know, hey. Can I, can I visit with you about here's what's going on and can you give me some hints? Uh, so I think that's, 
that is huge from a coaching standpoint is, is get yourself a mentor uh, that has been through what you're going to go through or what you've been through. And they can really help you through uh, many, many things that uh, you, you try and get through yourself and you just can't really do it because you've never been there before. But a mentor can certainly help you through that. And then I think, you know, I think schedule, you know, the process is a stress reliever. Hey, we're just going, we're going to get better today. And, you know, we're going to have a great practice today uh, and not going to worry about a week from today. I think that's, to me, that, to me that's a stress reliever. Uh, that I'm just going to do the best job today I can do. Uh, I'm not going to worry about what other people think. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to do the job I can do. I think that's a big stress reliever. So young coaches just getting in the game, you get a mentor, uh, just do do your job on a day-to-day basis. And that's the process that you that you need to take. And, and sometimes what you have uh, what you have to do is really as well, I think, you know, you need to get uh, you need to do some things for yourself, you know, exercise, uh, read read a book. Uh, that doesn't have anything to do with, with sports or basketball. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big World War II guy. I love to read World War II books, uh, General Patton-type books, and, you know, just things like that, I think, are to me, are really stress relievers. And uh, So those are some of the things I think are have been helpful for me. Uh, last question. You've, you've been involved in – you know, coaching across different levels, but you've also seen a lot of international coaching as well and and seen a lot of teams being coached. Uh, You've, you've worked with some, some amazing coaches yourself. You talked about, you know, wooden as an example, if if you were to provide advice that you haven't already shared, you've shared a lot of advice by the way, in, in this for, for coaches who are looking to, to kind of improve themselves at, at any level, what advice do you have within coaching and within basketball that, that you would want to give or, or share on? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think uh, I get that asked ask, uh, a lot too. I think first of all, coaches can go on the internet and get drills and I mean, you can get anything you want to, to help your team. Um, and I think those are good, but you, you, it's really not, it goes back to, it's not what you teach. It's how you teach it. And so when you look at the internet drills and stuff, you don't really get an idea of how that drill or how that aspect of basketball is being taught. So I think for me, uh, I would suggest you, you know, you, you work, you work some really good camps. I mean, I worked five star, I worked John Wood's camp. I worked camp called snow Valley, which I now run in Iowa. Uh, those are teaching camps. You see how coaches teach defense. You see how, you know, they, they, they teach shooting. And so I think it's really important that coaches f- find out how they're being taught. Uh, so that's the first thing I would do. And, and then I, th- I still think live clinics are really important. Uh, they're not very prevalent anymore. I mean, there's not a lot of live clinics. USA Basketball has, we have six, what we call coaching academies every year uh, during normal years, of course. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I think going to a live clinic is really helpful. We we have a lot of people that have been to our clinics that now are volunteers for us. So that's one way, another way to get get uh, not only not only see how things are going, but you you get a great 
system of of networking. And I, and I think in the game of basketball, if you really want to improve, I think the networking it gives you possible mentors down the road. It gives you uh, 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 possible job interviews down the road, or you can use them for recommendations. I mean, just numerous things, but that you really lose out on if you don't go in person and work camps or or go to go to clinics. And, and then I think uh, to me that's the most important thing. And I think last thing is for for coaches would be. Um, you know, again, build your own, uh, I would call it library of, of, uh, drills and basketball X's and O's. And because as a high school coach uh, or as a junior high coach, middle school coach, fifth grade coach, you are not going to have the same players year after year. So, so you have to adjust your game to the players you have coming up. I think so many of us, you know, hey, our system is we're going to be we're going to press man to man regardless of who we got. Well, you know, uh, that's good. Sometimes some years that's a good way to get beat by 50 points, too. You have to adjust your game to how to the to the players you have. And so I think that's really uh, an important aspect for for youth coaches. And then, you know, we USA basketball has a lot of resources we have. Uh, if I may mention them, we have sure. uh, go online at usab.com uh, and get our gold license, which gives gives uh, you can listen to 250 academy speakers that we've had throughout the years. Uh, we have a curriculum. So if you're coaching fifth grade boys or girls team, you have an idea of how to teach, what to teach at that level. Uh, obviously, it's different than teaching at a ninth grade level because, you know, they don't they don't. You, you have to really progressively teach. And so you get a chance to get our curriculum as well. So usab.com, look for our gold license. Uh, goes year by year. The new year starts October 1st. I think that's something huge that coaches should should do, not only for to get the resources, but also to uh, expand the game, just be a part of get, be, making the game better for everybody. Um. Thank you so much for your advice. And, and I know people watch this afterwards, whether it be through our podcast or, or YouTube. If, if somebody does have a question for you, maybe they weren't able to do it live today. Yep. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty heavy on Twitter, uh, at dshow23. Uh, we can communicate via that or my email address, dshowalter at usabasketball.com. I think it's on the screen there if everybody can see that. but. Um, at D show 23, my Twitter handle and D show show Walter at usabasketball.com. Feel free. I mean, that's what I do. I, I coach education. So uh, basically I'm answering coaches questions, uh, seven days a week, sometimes 24 hours a day from all over the world. So, uh, it's a great job and, uh, I, I love doing it. So feel free to, to email me, uh, anytime, especially young coaches. I get a lot of young coaches that, a uh, great conversation with and, and try to mentor a little bit as well. So uh, feel free to contact me and uh, I'm very approachable and I'm, I will get back to you very soon on either one of those. And, and I can of course attest to that. And I want to say thank you for joining me today and, and sharing a little bit of your wisdom with, with everyone watching and everyone who hopefully watches down the road. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate what you're doing 
as well at Florida State University. I think anytime anybody's growing the game in the long run, it's going to be better for for the for our whole country. Uh, also, just a reminder: coming up next week, Steve Collins is joining us on Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. He's the head coach of women's swimming and diving at Southern Methodist University. Very long time. He served there a long time. Very successful. Hope you'll join me for that. If, if his uh, picture is anything to go by, it should be an entertaining interview. So hope you join me for that. But on behalf of myself, Tim Backhurst, and Don Showalter, thank you so much for watching. Thank you.